Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O. Morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, welcome in. A new week is here, January 10th, 2022. Your Monday morning at 6.09, starting out in the capital city. A little bit chilly uh, to start things out here before we warm up again. 15 degrees right now. Uh, Not a lot of wind out there, so it doesn't feel too bad heading toward high in the 30s. And then 50s, 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 40s until we get back into the 40s. Uh, in 30s uh, on the weekend. Welcome in. I am Jack Mitchell, uh, uh, broadcasting remotely from my bunker in East Lincoln for another week, uh, while Caleb and Mark are in the KLIN studios. Morning, Caleb. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. How, how's, uh, how's the home office? I, You know, here's the thing about working from home. Uh, at the home office, I keep uh, justifying um, uh, uh, buying things to, you know, to to spruce it up, to make it a little <laughs> bit more easy and usable and effective. Uh, so, like, the longer the longer time I, sp- I spend here, which we're going to do another week because uh, we had another positive in, in our house. Um, uh, but, you know, everybody's fine. Uh, but uh, it, yeah, it just means that I continue continue to buy new cords and and uh, I have cords all over the now. I am on a wired connection today, though, for the first time, so that's exciting. Good. No longer relying on Wi-Fi. How many Bluetooth speakers do you have around you? I know you've got like eight eight monitors, eight screens, but how many See, Bluetooth speakers I, are in there? Well, I don't really need Bluetooth speaker. I got one that's charging over here. Um, and then I got, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm wearing my headphones. Most everything's wired around me right now. The Bluetooth speakers are for other spots in the house, but it's a good point. I probably could use some more, uh, around here. (laughs) And I've got, uh, one of the latest additions, uh, is, uh, I have, um, I've added a lamp with smart lights in it and, (laughs) and, and, uh, Amazon Alexa, so I can change the colors of my. My lighting here. That's got always blue, fun. I don't know. You see, I got blue lights on right Mood now. Mood lighting. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Got, I can't even turn my computer around and show you because there's too many cords coming out of it. But anyway. LNK today uh, after dark? Yeah. Is that technically yeah. what we are since like the sun doesn't come up till the last hour? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Is it after so, dark or before light? Exactly. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so, so yeah, and and uh, we continue to to go through it uh, at our house. Uh, half of us are we got we got half the house upstairs and half the house downstairs that we continue to have uh, right now. Which I suppose is probably a lot of people who are who are going through. And uh, that's typically how houses are constructed: with half of them upstairs, half of them downstairs. Right, right. Half the people. Oh, I should say are. Are upstairs. Half the people are are downstairs. You've left so. me here with Mark way too long. <laughs> you know what? I, uh, I've heard that if you spend way too much time in your basement with your computers, uh, uh, you probably are never going to get COVID because you've got nerd immunity. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting that. I am. I am. Uh, I'm getting that. I mean, Caleb knows this. My uh, 
My son and I were so bored again last night. We started uh, streaming video games again. So <laughs> yeah. for the for the inter, for the tens of people on the internet who are excited to watch that. So and Jack uh, yeah, made but, it look like he'd never played a video game in his life. Okay, there was some lag. I was on a different <laughs> was on a different screen, and so there was some lag. It was it was very difficult. There were technical issues, but I'll do better. I'll do better tonight. Uh, but yeah, so every, uh, we're uh, we're good to go here. Uh, for the week so we're still putting off our real reunification our group hug reunification until the beginning of next week which uh, i'll be very excited for once again to have a warm embrace with the both of you uh how was uh vale how was your weekend how are you doing oh it was it was all right kind of quiet didn't do a whole lot just you know cleaned up a lot of computer files i had a project going here a couple of weeks ago with our weekend programming that I work on here, and and uh, over the course of the last couple of years, they've been dated and put into different date formats and all of that kind of stuff. So I went back and got that all uh, lined up and that put in the like order. Fantastic! It weekend. was boring as yeah. all you know what, but <laughs> hey, at least it's done. So yeah, yeah, that, exactly. What else did I do? Oh, did a little grocery shopping and little of this, little of that. A little yeah. laundry, so I'm doing a lot of grocery shopping. It feels like, uh, yeah, because I feel like I'm sort of a, I, I, I'm kind of a room service person here now too. So, so you cook I, and deliver? Yeah, I check. I, I get the menu requests at the beginning of the day. Uh, I put together some meal plans and uh, make deliveries. Yes, I'm I'm room service and DoorDash all in one uh, here, but it's uh, it's fine. I'm glad I can glad I can help out with things. Um, all right. Well, but you have uh, to go. Your, up, uh, you have to go upstairs to cook, right? You, to the main floor. The oh, main so floor. you're actually. I'm in uh, my. I'm obviously in my East Lincoln Mansion. There's five or six stories. I never can. Okay. Can so get it right. So it's the the upper level, not the main level, where the uh, COVID yes. resides. Got it. Yes, that's exactly right. Your okay. co- the COVID wing of the uh, yes. mansion. Um. <laughs> uh, Mark, what's uh, what are our headlines today? What are we doing? What do we got? Well, um, Nomi Health there at Gateway Mall, they've now gone to, um, you have to be pre-registered for and have an appointment. No more drive so, up there. I heard your story on that. So at, from somebody who's been through there a couple of times, um, you... So when I, I would do it, if I wanted to get in the same day, like m- most of the times, if you want to go the same day, you could, you had two options. If you got online, you could pre-register or you could make an actual appointment but normally the appointments were at least a day out and so uh, we i always just pre-registered and came the same day um now you have to have the appointments now you have to have the appointments okay they're 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 putting it together a little bit so that um so that they can better control the flow is is the that would make sense because i mean it's becoming a traffic issue yeah Uh, i don't know if you guys have been down there by gateway east park but uh, when i was there it stretched all the way out just to 66th street but i've been told that the right lane of 66th has stretched all the way down to vine street yeah and i heard uh, one time they were even backed up on vine a little bit so <laughs> oh my gosh that, that's uh I, I don't know how far but uh anyway yeah that's that's the the biggest thing uh know me health n-o-m-i health.com slash nebraska to set that appointment and you'll get it just i'm gonna check just check this out now and see if i was gonna get one in lincoln 
Um, you get a QR code either oh. uh, texted to you or, or emailed to you. I'll tell you this. There are times available this afternoon, late this afternoon, today, that you can huh. still make an appointment. So, if you know, and I doubt those will last very long. But, yeah, you can make appointments from about four, about four to six at some point if you want to. So that's actually better than it was better than it was in the past. Yeah. But so anyway, that's uh that's one of the big changes. Uh walk-in vaccination clinics will continue at the health department today. Uh that schedule we've got posted for the rest of the week at KLIN.com. Um so we're hearing also um some reports that uh, are getting pretty uh scarce on some of the treatments, uh monoclonal antibody treatments getting a little bit scarce, so looking at the possibility of having to decide who gets that kind of treatment. So, Well, because I, I had read from one of the, uh, a, a doctor outside of Lincoln uh, who, who had posted something, and she had said, look, we've got, you know, we have a low amount and, and people want the antibody treatments, but there are, are two types of them, evidently, and one of them doesn't work on Omicron, right. the other does. And so they're having a shortage, of course, on the, on the one that, that does, since that's becoming the predominant strain uh, around, the, around the state of Nebraska. One other interesting thing, I don't know if anybody, one of the new symptoms that I'm hearing from, from people who had this is um, it's almost like a sense, it's almost like being over-caffeinated is the way it's been described to me. Jittery, can't sleep, which I, I guess you sometimes get along with a fever, perhaps. Uh, but that's one of the one of the things that I've heard anecdotally about uh, Omicron. And so um, just just a heads up, but hopefully continuing to have cases that aren't aren't serious and don't end up in, in hospitalizations. And a lot of and Scott Frost has it now. Yeah, uh, Scott Frost announced uh, yesterday that he had received a positive COVID-19 test. So uh, symptoms are mild and he's going to be working remotely this week. And this happens to be the week that players are returning to campus. Oh, yeah. um, so assistant coaches are going to have to handle the the conditioning and getting some guys all checked in and back to uh, back to work. He's going to have to buy some more gadgets for his at home. Oh, I'm sure he's got all the gadgets he could ever <laughs> Joe, need. He's got a better setup than me. He's yeah. got a better setup. Yes. yes, for at home working. Me or yep. Scott Frost. Scott, Scott Frost. Frost. I don't. I actually don't think so. <laughs> I would be shocked. I would be shocked. I I will put my if if Scott, if you're listening this morning, if you're up making some coffee. Uh, hopefully you're feeling okay. Could you send me a shot of your at-home setup, and I'll send you a, a shot of mine, and we'll compare and contrast on this whole thing. I don't know, because I don't think he's running out to uh, Ace Hardware or Menards or, or Walmart or wherever or any local store every 15 minutes like I am. Did you just put up a bat signal for the head football coach at the University of Nebraska basically saying, I'll show you mine if you show me yours? Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't say it that way. But yeah, and also, if he has an Xbox, I don't know if he has an Xbox down there, but I'm free for some gaming later. Oh, he's definitely a PlayStation guy. Oh, geez, that's boy, that might be the final straw for me. Yeah, he's definitely a PlayStation guy. He he's got a backbone. It wasn't the loss to Iowa, like controllers (laughs) that are not. That are not uh, correct for your hands. That's that's what I think. Of <laughs> uh, all right. What else do we have uh, going on this morning? Uh, Talked to they've identified six possible sites for a new prison. That's uh, oh yeah. You know, uh, Ooh, one Lincoln, in, one of them, uh, Lancaster County, one uh, Douglas, and uh, 
Dodge County also had possible locations. So, well, well you want to put it someplace where people will be available to work is is one of the factors. Right, and and those are the three counties that that probably are going to be the most likely to have that workforce population, but also. They want it so there can be, uh, you know, other resources readily available and make it convenient for families. So, yeah, I wonder if if you had a, a do over, if you don't put the put the one in Tecumseh, if you had a chance to redo this thing completely. Uh, I wonder. I, I don't. I don't know the answer to that, but I wonder what the leaders who did that would think about that um, as they made that decision. But of course, that's got to. I mean, that's a lot of dough they've got to spend here to, to actually make that happen. And there's going to be some blowback for that when it comes to the legislature. So we'll see what happens with that. But we do, but have, it is, we, do have a, we do have about a billion dollars of federal money that's one-time money. And the governor uh, you know, is putting forth a budget that's uh, still pretty austere. But he said you know, he would consider some of these federal funds for one-time projects. So. Yeah, he, he said, look, we've got the – he basically said – uh, we need to be smart with spending on all these things, but that, you know, we can spend this federal COVID money. So it'll be interesting to see, hear from him when he puts out his budget proposal, what the what the priorities for those dollars are exactly and where he's going to put the giant lake. <laughs> I think I think it should it should uh, have uh, an exit off the East Beltway. That's what I think. There, there we go. I like it. East Beltway Lake. Man, I drove down to Beatrice on Saturday. The amount of construction south of town. I can't wait for all of that to get done. It's it's a mo- monstrous job. Yes. And it, it it's all over. You you've got um you've got the ramps going one way and the other way and right now you're a one lane and that, those lanes are going to be split up and you got flyovers and, <laughs> and roundabouts and more flyovers and flyunders and you know. I didn't know, Caleb, you were going to Beatrice. I would have had you I'd, uh, water my plants in my vacation home. I no, some I, nice- well, I, I sent you a picture of the uh, that Amigos food truck that they have there on one of the corners. That's right. You were, you were already there. I should have saw that. They had a, an Amigos. Beatrice has an Amigos food truck? Yes, they do. God, Beatrice gets everything. Oh. <laughs> uh, so we've uh, got that. And then uh, you're going to get into this here in sports in just a bit. But... Um, Man, that was that was a heck of a, a heck of a women's basketball game oh, yesterday man. at Pinnacle Bank Arena. You were there for it. I was I was at home watching on TV and listening on the on the radio. Um, but Iowa gets the better of Nebraska. But man, it helps when you almost can't miss an entire basketball game. Yeah, and there were a number of shots that they just found a way to be open. It, it wasn't even whether or not. Um, Nebraska's defense was there to defend them. Amy Williams talked about that afterwards as well. She didn't think they defended very well. Uh, but Nebraska got 23 more shots up during the game. Um, and that was due to an advantage of offensive rebounds and on turnovers. The electricity in that building, 8,415 on hand. That's the fourth largest women's basketball crowd since they moved to Pinnacle Bank Arena. Um, but that was so much fun to watch. When when you've got the, the teams combined for over 170 points, um, both teams just making a bunch of shots, um, it, it really looked like a heavyweight fight where there was just, here's our best shot, here's your best shot, and then at the end, it ends up going to the scorecard. Um, but, man, that, that was so much fun to watch and be in that environment. And that was the first women's game I've watched in a long time where you could really sense the rivalry. That sort of the disdain between the two teams on the floor. Oh yeah, uh, very, very much so. 
Um, and, and you have all the way through a, a foul gets called, and you've got players just getting in each other's faces. Um, the the amount of, of turning and trying to get calls. Uh, it was very physical ball game all the way to the end, all the way to you're in the final minute, and the entire crowd is booing Caitlin Clark, who's going to be a, a, a she was first team All American as a freshman last year. Yeah, she was uh, she was something else, but yeah, she's going to be a. She's gonna be a polarizing figure. She is uh, the 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 Brad Davison of Wisconsin, but like scores a lot more, but like a lot better, a lot better. Yes. <laughs> very good. Oh, and guess what? They run it back against each other one week from yesterday. Yeah, get Sunday in Iowa Sunday City. Scheduling quirk. So that's gonna be uh, must listen, must see. All right, so there you go. That sets things up. Joining us today, Tim Ruzza, Dirk Chatlin, Morning Drive. Uh, all you need to get going on a Sunday, Monday morning. All right, we'll take a break. Sports next, 625 on KLIN. Want today's top news stories? Top Husker stories? You can get them sent straight to your inbox every afternoon. Just sign up for the daily for free at KLIN.com. A look at news from both inside and outside of Lincoln and conversation on how that news affects us here. It's time for the Sound Off on LNK Today. 637, welcome back. LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Jack Mitchell, Caleb Henry, Mark Vale, Chris Lufkin, Time Saver Traffic. Uh, real quick, before we get into Sound Off, I was reminded of this during your sports. I assume, Caleb, you did not stay up for the end of uh, Sunday Night Football last night? Man, I I caught bits and pieces of it as I was going to bed, and I was like, you know what? There are a weird amount of people that are really excited to hope this game ends in a tie. I I I mean that game was one of the most memorable games NFL regular <laughs> season games that I think that I think I've ever seen. Not only because for those who don't follow the NFL closely, the the those two teams it was basically a playoff game for those two teams. One would be in and one would be out unless they tied. And the reason for would, that is because but, the Jaguars, the worst team in the NFL, right, got a win as fourteen and a half point underdogs, right, and so there there was all this, you know, people wondering like, well, is it would they tie intentionally? Could that <laughs> could that happen? And I was like, that won't really happen. Well, of course, it goes to overtime, and the teams uh, don't score at the beginning, and uh, the Raiders have the ball. With about five minutes left, driving down. If they don't score and the clock runs out, both teams go to the playoffs. They get to uh, they get to about midfield, and the clock's running after a running play with I don't remember what was thirty nine seconds left or something uh-huh. like that. And the Chargers call a timeout, and I still can't figure out why in the heck you even if you even if you were trying to win the game, I it's such a long shot to to. To be able to, because you would have had to, I guess, block a punt or or uh-huh. return a punt or or get some some possession, and I guess there was a shot. I guess you would do that if you're trying to win the game. Had they not called it, the Raiders were just going to run the clock out and take the tie. But instead, they called a timeout, and the Raiders were like, okay, we're not agreeing on the tie. We're going for the field goal, and so they <laughs> completed another uh, couple of passes and kicked the field goal and won the game. And Raiders are out. Uh, Raiders are in. I should say, Chargers are out. Steelers are in. And Big Ben Roethlisberger is watching at home, waiting to see if his career continues or not. Right. And, and he, it looked he, like it wasn't going to. And there was, so part of this is the the fun of 
can he just tie and both make the playoffs because of what the Jaguars did earlier in the day? So there's like a little bit of excitement around that. But there is a little bit more excitement around the game because what's happening with sports betting? Um, And part of that is there were a lot of people that were seeing the possibility of this playing out and put two team parlays, which means you have to you make two bets and they count as one um, and, and the odds work together on the Jaguars winning and this game ending up in a tie. Now, there were sports books, and I, I retweeted a story about this, that um, sports books were set to lose a lot of money if this uh, game ended up in a tie because normally those are some of the longest odds for a game. Nobody bet. Who would want to bet on that? There were a lot of people that were betting on that. A lot of people, especially as soon as the Jaguars game hit. Um, yeah. Now, there is a guy in, I think it was in New Jersey, who won over $100,000 yesterday because he bet on the Jaguars to win and the Chargers Raiders to end regulation tied. Oh my gosh. What a weird weird world, but it was so exciting to to, to watch everything and then come in this morning and get all the recaps on how everything went last night. That was fun. I couldn't go to sleep. I was was laying on my couch down here uh, watching to the last minute. So if I'm groggy this morning, that's why. Uh, And I'm not on my sleep number bed. I'm on the couch. Uh, All right. uh, Should we jump in? Let's jump in to the sound off COVID headlines from around the country. What's the latest? Today is the deadline for Starbucks employees to disclose their COVID vaccination status. The company told workers they must be fully vaccinated for COVID by February 9th or undergo weekly testing, tests that employees will have to purchase out of pocket. The University of Colorado Boulder will start its spring term today with fully remote learning that goes for the next two weeks. Michigan State is also remote, but theirs will last for three weeks. Globally, starting today, unvaccinated citizens of the United Arab Emirates will no longer be allowed to travel outside the UAE. If vaccinated citizens want to leave the UAE, they will have to have a booster dose. Tanya J. Powers, Fox News. Yeah, it's it's interesting, um, Caleb, how there's been a few colleges, universities who have gone this route toward toward remote learning. Mm -hmm. But unlike, you know, the first time around with this whole thing, when it started, the avalanche kind of came down and everyone was doing it. Now it's just... Some places, but but not all. And as you mentioned, uh, in your sports, University of Nebraska students return to campus this week, and and they get going again. Um, but they've got to they've got to do testing, they've got to do masking, and and all those sorts of things as well. And yeah, they've got the, uh, the 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 reentry tests. Yes, the reentry tests. And and outside of Chicago, uh, and maybe there are another some other places in in, in big cities around the country. There's not a whole lot of talk about schools. I mean, I haven't heard anything uh, in the in the Lincoln area about discussions about schools going remote. Although Mark did say uh, you've got a, a pretty high number of cases right now within within Lincoln Public Schools, but this this seems to be one. And and, and I guess the other thing is, I saw I heard Fox had that clip at the bottom of the hour where the, the hope now is that this behaves like it does in South Africa and the UK, where after cases went up precipitously, which I think we're seeing here, it's fair to say that we're seeing here in in the Lincoln area and our listing area, that it also kind of goes over that peak and decreases mm-hmm. pretty significantly at a at a similar rate. If you look at some of those countries, that's that's definitely what you see with the case numbers. It was and about so, six weeks is what they were looking at, where you got to yeah. the peak and then things really leveled themselves back down. 
And so, like, I, I remember when I was in studio between Christmas and, uh, or, yeah, between Christmas and New Year's, uh, that Tuesday health department briefing, they said at that day, I think that would have been, what, like the 27th, mm-hmm. if I had my dates right. Um, uh, and, and Mark might need to help me out on this, but I think they said at that point they had five confirmed Omicron cases in Lancaster County. And so, I mean, to give you an idea, and now um, I believe the number I heard statewide was somewhere in the range of 70% of the new cases coming in are of the Omicron variant. So between, so, you know, what's that? Uh, 14 days, two weeks. Yeah. Essentially two weeks from tomorrow. Two weeks from tomorrow, it's gone from um, at, at the time, and I'm sure there were ones that they were missing at that point. But at the time, it was it went from a handful of cases to the the majority, the vast majority uh, of cases here, and that's I think that's what's happening. And yeah, I've heard I've heard that same number uh, four to six weeks here. And so you know, perhaps you get into February and you're on the other side of of this wave of the whole thing and not seeing new worse mutations, or uh, or that with this infecting so many people now that it's uh, with with more mild sickness that this is going to be something. That helps really make mm-hmm. make this thing closer closer to being over. I shouldn't say over, but you know what I mean. But right, in, yeah, a, more of a sense of normalcy with without the huge numbers of cases. Well, you you, you yeah. talk about the 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 jump that we've seen over the last two weeks since a handful. It was just last month that you had your first confirmed cases of the Omicron variant. Yeah, where we were in just three, starting to talk about it in the United States, and then you just had your first confirmed um, couple of cases in the state. And then obviously just the first couple of here up to um, what we're what we're seeing now into the uh, second full week of, of of January. Yep, absolutely. All right, what else is going on? Big Russia U.S. talks coming up this week. What's going to be uh, discussed? Well, uh, what happens with Russia and the Ukraine? Senior American and Russian diplomats are meeting in Geneva, Switzerland, attempting to defuse tensions. Deputy Secretary of State Wendy Sherman is speaking with her Russian counterpart, Sergei Ryabkov. He says the talks will be difficult. Secretary of State Antony Blinken told ABC's this week. The question really now is uh, whether uh, President Putin will take the path of diplomacy and dialogue or uh, seeks confrontation. Blinken says Russia has deployed 100,000 troops near its border with Ukraine. In London, Simon Owen, Fox News. All right, this is, this is um, something that's getting some critique from the small business world. As part of, uh, a part of the COVID Relief Act, there was a uh, there's a portion in there, you know, you have these huge bills, there's a bunch of stuff in there. There's a part of it where the IRS now automatically monitors um, Venmo, taxable Venmo and PayPal payments over six hundred dollars. And and they'll explain a little bit more. This isn't like Caleb, me me paying you six hundred dollars because I owe it right. to you on one of those things. But these are more <laughs> business related, taxable business related ones. And there's some people saying, hey, why are we so careful about this? But others are able to do whatever they want. The idea behind this new rule is to catch people cheating on their taxes, making sure people are paying taxes on the income that they're making. But it doesn't put a bullseye on billionaires. Instead, it's a burden on small businesses, people that get paid by their customers and clients for goods and services through third-party apps like Zelle, PayPal, and Venmo. The new rule now says transactions in those apps over 600 dollars for goods and services 
now have to be reported to the IRS. This hits people that use apps to run their business. Think hairstylists, housekeepers, those in the gig economy. That's right. I don't like. Okay, do you pay anyone? Can you think of any transaction you regularly have, like in that setting with a business, uh, like a small business through PayPal or Venmo or something like not, that? Not regularly, no. So um, the um, the woman who does my hair, I pay her by Venmo. Okay, that's the, so that's to me that's the the one that makes the the most. I mean, we used to like run a card through one of those things, but it's just much easier to do it by mm-hmm. Venmo. Right. So I do it that way, but. Uh, but you are, you do have some people who are frustrated. Well, and, and I know um, Megan and I, my fiance, the, when we're paying bills, a lot of the times the way we move money back and forth is with PayPal. Yeah, where, where if there if there's something that maybe I paid on a credit card um, or I paid because the the way um, the way our our, our uh, we get paid from our jobs doesn't always line up exactly the where I've got money or she does. So we'll just send money back and forth. If mm. we're going to start getting taxed because we're sending money back and forth on stuff that we're just paying bills. Yeah, yeah you won't on that, if, right. I, if I'm understanding this right. But that's for directly for, for goods and services over $600. They've actually automatically got to report those now. Uh, all right, what else is uh, going on here this morning? Oh, the Bob Saget news. Fox has touched on this a couple of times. This one surprised the heck out of me. Uh, but Bob Saget uh, found dead in a hotel room. Bob Saget was found dead in his Orlando, Florida hotel room on Sunday afternoon, according to the Orange County Sheriff's Office. Deputies called at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Orlando around 4 p.m. Detectives finding no signs of foul play or drug use. Saget played Danny Tanner on the TV show Full House. I'm Danny Tanner. Rebecca Donaldson is on assignment today, so filling in for her is a man who needs no introduction because he's not here. <laughs> he also hosted America's Funniest Home Videos from 1989 to 1997 and was the voice of narrator Ted Mosby on the CBS sitcom How I Met Your Mother from 2005 to 2014. Actor Bob Saget was 65 years old. Ted Linder, Fox News. So the, the most surprising thing about Bob Saget for me was if you would watch, you know, Full House is where, where I knew him from. I think most people did first. And that show, it, it uh, if you, sometimes they say old shows don't, don't translate well to modern day. And usually that's because, you know, there's some problematic things or something. Uh-huh. That's not what it is. The, co- the, the humor in that show is so bad and so corny that it makes like, it makes modern day shows on the Disney <laughs> channel. Tweens look like high art. It, it was so bad and so corny and and it was usually around Bob Saget, especially with that. Um, and then he went and did AFV same thing it was just this corny corny stuff you could hardly uh, you're just like Ugh. but then if you ever watched like youtube's a little bit later of his actual stand-up acts that guy worked really blue hey. like oddly like can, can yeah, we ta- can we just talk about for a second knowing the rest of bob saget's comedy career how weird it is for him to have been danny tanner I saw when I was in college, he came to Southern Illinois Edwardsville. I saw him perform in person. I was falling out of my chair. He's hilarious. But I can also not repeat any of those jokes over the air right now. Right. Like, he, the, the, he had the two absolute extremes of comedy <laughs> the family friendly cornball schlock that was just so bad and then and then the other side of it that you got to see up front which was just like like really blue was, uh, uh, well just think about it for a fact like 
it's hilarious, and and he talks about Full House, and he's very inappropriate about that, um, in like just really funny ways. But then also, I, I'm out of college, and there are some fraternity guys not being great. So he just starts ripping Greeks and making fun of them, and I'm like, this guy is the best ever. He is. Yeah. I love everything about. Him. So I'm very happy that I did get to see him and see that side of him because that is such a different world than seeing him and only knowing him through Full House. Last but not least, we hear a lot about body image these days, and sometimes there's an assumption that uh, a lot of those issues uh, are are unique to women, not necessarily according to a new survey. A new online poll conducted by Superdrug Online Doctor asked 1,000 men in the U.S. and the U.K. about their body image as of the new year. Only about 42% said they were happy with the way they look with an average attractiveness rating of 5.9 on a scale of 1 to 10. <laughs> 40% say looking in the mirror is the top cause of their body insecurity issues, and age matters. The poll showed two-thirds of young men between 18 and 25 think of themselves as attractive, but just 58% of those older than 56 say the same. Over 50% of those responding say they feel pressure to develop a superhero-type physique, although an overwhelming majority feel... That's unattainable. <laughs> Kevin Uretsky, Fox News. Okay. There's a really a question that says rate yourself. How hot are you? Scale of 1 to 10. That's Is that really a, a survey question? Hot or not. And by the way, the picture is you. Just just <laughs> let us know. What are you thinking? I, I don't know what I'd give myself on a scale of 1. I mean, I'm not, not high, but like... I don't know if I'm more in a a, a four range or a one range. I don't Man, even. I don't know how to handle. I, that. I would put myself probably. I'd I'd say I'm going to confidently be a six or a seven, but I'm definitely an Iowa ten. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, I move the goalposts a little bit as I get older. I think the the scale becomes a little, once you know you're in your forties, fifties, sixties. Each year, it gets becomes a little easier. I would think to well, to it's, score it's, 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 it's a sweet. it's a relative score. On where you're at. <sighs> oh, yeah. One of the other things I know we got to go. One of the other things, though, Caleb, I did is we uh, uh, my son and I, when we were sequestered to our basement, we uh, put some uh, workout flooring down in in our other room. So we've mm-hmm. upgraded it. So now I got no excuse. Time to start hitting the treadmill, pumping the iron, get myself up from a 2.2 to a 3.5 in 2022. Hey, I believe in you. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, you see that guy? Ooh, he's a 3.5. Ooh. <laughs> so weird. 624. Don't rate people's looks. 624. It's LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, right now in the capital city, we've got 15 degrees calm winds. So that uh, that wind chill, uh, also 15 right now and uh, as you heard there highs in the 30s today but if you look look ahead of the forecast my goodness tuesday wednesday thursday uh we're going to be in the 50s maybe flirting with the 60s uh and then we're going to cool down a bit but still pretty darn good for this time of year 40s in the friday on friday back into the 30s on saturday back into the 40s on sunday caleb you i mean you do the math on this thing i know i say it a lot but you look at that, what, 10-day forecast? I guess that's a seven-day forecast. That gets us out to, like, more than halfway through January. More yeah. than halfway through January. And we had a couple of days. Go ahead and just say it. Days. Winter's over. I, I mean, I keep saying 
I keep saying we're going to get it, but the time period <laughs> in which we can get it continues to shrink. Yeah. And I, and I love it. I'm thrilled with it. I still believe February is going to be terrible. Okay. February, the market down in calendar, February 2022, worst winter ever, but um, worst February ever. But I still, uh, in, it, uh, I, I was talking about my snowblower uh, that I ripped the cord out of <laughs> last year. Yeah. And I still, I, I still haven't gotten that fixed. I'm wondering if that can go the way of my underground sprinkling system that I haven't got. Probably, fixed. I wouldn't doubt it. As in, I mean, as in Vogue famously saying about winter, never gonna get it, never gonna get it. I, I'm, it's uh, not you know, it's been it's been a good strategy for me not to fix some of these weather related items in my home, and maybe that's <laughs> maybe I just retire. Maybe that snowblower should go out in fame in a viral moment and never be used again here at this Can point. that snowblower be part of the breaking the curse bonfire we still need to have for <laughs> a couple of Nebraska men's sports? But for Nebraska men's basketball and, and football. I don't know. I, we've still never done it, and we probably should have. We probably should have. I think my permit expired from the city, though. So Yeah, we'll get yeah. another one. That's we'll how that works, to, right? Hopefully there's not too much red tape to get those. All right, during the uh, 7 o'clock hour, man, we haven't even touched on this yet. Nebraska football's got a new quarterback, Caleb. Ooh. Yeah, they do, and Nicklin Haynes is coming back. Yeah, we, we can get into some of those uh, those items, all the five things you're going to be talking about today. Tim Haruza joins us, Dirk Chatlin as well. Stick around, more fun coming up. It's 9 o'clock on KLIN Lincoln. From the you are constructing your office during the break. <laughs> Number one, I... I, I <laughs> For anyone who heard the silence before I gave you the temperature, that is because I turn on Jack's mic and then I look at Zoom and he, it, he's he got the arm for his mic and he's like trying to construct it and there's a mic hanging off one side and he doesn't have his headphones on. I realized my new mic arm arrived last night at my house. I just got a, saw an email about that. And so during the break, I went upstairs and grabbed the package cold with bare feet out there. BTW. Wouldn't re- I'd recommend layers for your feet if you go outside. Uh, and so, you know, like a, like a kid on Christmas, I was excited to get it set up. I thought I had plenty of time during the break. Turns out I can't quite figure out some things about it. <laughs> and I can't quite get it secured. So now I'm holding my mic in my hand like I'm, like I'm doing a concert. Uh, so, yes. But, yeah, you thought I was kidding about upgrading my home office. I'm doing it. I'm doing it nonstop. And I, my apologies, by the way, to those in the central time zone. I gave, I think I gave everybody the eastern time zone, top of the hour time. Well, it, 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 it wasn't just eastern. It was, it oh, was Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, it was it. for our listeners in Halifax. Okay. So actually, I'm looking at, I'm again, a little bit of inside baseball working from home, <laughs> but inside of our studio, we've got an official, official, official clock that I can see on Caleb's computer that I look at constantly. Okay. And I don't have that here at my house, so I pulled up time.gov. But for some reason, time.gov, uh, leave it to the government, right? Time.gov, it has all of the time zones. And then it says your device's clock right here. But right below it, for some reason, it's got Puerto Rico Atlantic Standard Time. <laughs> it looks like Puerto Rico Atlantic Standard Time was the 
corresponding to our clock and I didn't use my brain. Yeah, all of our listeners in Puerto Rico. It's a lot of Puerto Ricans that well, love this show. N- not only are we running those invest Puerto Rico spots yes. that, that you hear, we've got all these listeners there. That's why those spots play. <laughs> so for our uh, for our Puerto Rican listeners, hola, hasta mañana. <laughs> Oh goodness! What a, what a day! What a Monday! It's LNK Ahora with Jack E. Amigos. Hmm? Ooh, you didn't think I could do that? That is perfect. That is perfect Spanish. Close enough. Two years of high school, and I can still do that. We didn't have to take four years back then. Uh, I kind of wish I had. <laughs> two years of two, yes. Uh, <laughs> LNK today Ahora. Uh, all right. Let's uh, let's get into some of the new. We did not even touch on this during the entire first hour of the show, Caleb. We've been sitting here trying to figure out for weeks what Nebraska is going to do with the transfer portal and quarterbacks. And as always happens with our show, the news breaks Friday right after we get off the air. Right. Texas quarterback Casey Thompson, who had been in the transfer portal, makes it official. He will be coming to Nebraska as a transfer. Casey Thompson is the son, for those of you 80s Husker football fans like me, his dad was Charles Thompson. Charles Thompson was a quarterback at Oklahoma after Jamel Holloway had injury issues in 1988 in Norman when Nebraska finally got the the Oklahoma monkey off their back. Uh, They broke, it was Lawrence Pete, I believe, for Nebraska, who broke Charles Thompson's leg in that game against them that Nebraska won. I believe the final score was 7-3. to three. It was rainy. It was just a, a crummy game. And I feel bad now, but as a 10-year-old then, uh, yeah, it would have been 10, 11-year-old then, I was, I mean, I had like a bloodlust at that point for uh, <laughs> Oklahoma quarterbacks getting injured. And so, like, if I ever come across Charles Thompson now, I feel like I'm going to need to apologize to him. Like, man, I'm going to be honest. I'm so glad your son's here. Hopefully he's doing great. I really cheered when you broke your leg, and I feel like I know you don't care now, but I feel like I got to apologize to you. I'm sorry. I don't want you to break any more bones. That was just a one-time deal. You definitely should apologize for sure. I'm going to. I hope I get a chance to say to uh, to Charles Thompson uh, now that his, his son is here. But, man, talk about a quarterback, and we can get into some of the details, but talk about combining all of, like, all of the things Nebraska fans sort of – disdain 80s oklahoma his dad and then the university of texas <laughs> it's it's like uh it's like they've reached into the dark side for this one this sounds like a movie plot they did they they said okay what is exactly what we need to break any kind of curse let's go right. grab the biggest rival nebraska had for decades and then right. the biggest rival that husker fans are hanging on to and those are the two schools that are leaving your former league to go to the SEC as well. And, oh, yeah, he's he's pretty good at football. So, let, you know what? Let's bring this guy. So, yeah, that was my kind of intangible emotional reaction. Uh, Caleb, I'm, I'm curious, you know, I, I, the, the big thing I've heard about him is that he is similar to Adrian Martinez for kind of for better or for worse. Do you agree with that? assessment of him and how do you see him fitting what he does fitting into the Nebraska offense yeah I think he's gonna fit in pretty well we're, we're gonna have to see what Whipple does um, with any of those changes that you have to the offense I do think 
um, Thompson is a better passer than what Adrian was. And, and there, there was times that, although, I mean, Adrian threw the ball really well against Wisconsin when, when he went to a really pass-heavy offense towards the end of the year there. Um, but I, I think Adrian might be a little bit better of a runner. Um, in case he, he got injured this last year as well. So, so what, what can you do to, to hope that you're going to keep him healthy the rest of the way? Um, I do think overall, if he can get the offense down and, and you see what those tweaks are, he's not going to get run as much. I, I think he's going to end up being, a, being an upgrade for Nebraska at quarterback. Now, he's still going to have to compete for the job. Um, we're going to see what kind of strides Logan Smothers and Heinrich Harburg um, can make through the offseason here. But you also still have the possibility Chubba Purdy is set to make his visit this week. Um, what is that quarterback room going to look like? Yeah, I love it. Get get as many guys in there to compete as possible. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm absolutely fine with that. But um, you know, it was it, it. I was glad, especially glad to see it, just because it was sort of starting to feel like musical chairs, Caleb, mm-hmm. where there's going to be an an, an uh, a person without a chair at the end, or a team without a a quarterback from the transfer portal, at least a, a more highly coveted one out of the transfer portal. So I'm glad that. They did finally make this happen and uh, can go forward. And then you had a what a LSU transfer wide receiver as yeah, well, Trey Palmer, former five star, um, had thirty catches this last year, over three hundred yards, uh, uh, three touchdowns uh, as well. Um, he also works in the return game, and I think that's going to be the biggest part that he probably steps into that role now. Um, as we all know, Nebraska barely had 30 yards or something like that of uh, punt return yards this last year. Didn't really do anything in the kickoff return either. It's, uh, it's going to come down to how it's coached and, and what you're able to set up for returns. But to have a guy back there like Palmer, that definitely helps you going forward. Obviously, he played for new wide receivers coach Mickey Joseph. So you've got some familiarity already coming into the room. Uh, but it, it's always good to get these high-level um, athletes that can do more than just play their position. They can help out on special teams. Mickey Joseph actually tweeted out over the weekend, he wants every receiver, every wideout in his room to be on special teams. Yeah. Mickey's getting busy, man. I, I'm, I'm getting excited, Caleb. Good. I, I can't believe I'm here already, January 10th, but... Kind of, kind of getting excited, which I should have learned better to do. It's uh, only 89, 89 days until uh, the the red white spring game. Okay, so uh, so it's, it's time to be excited. And then and then the other bit you you mentioned this too. I wanted to get your thoughts more. So Nicklin Hames will stay, which we thought she would, but this is interesting. Uh, not going to be a setter anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I mean. How about that? Can you imagine, like in any other sport, changing position in that kind of a scenario where you've been at this position, you've had a lot of success at this position? Um, is is the main reason? What's the reason for it? Is it just because they want to get Kennedy Orr on the floor and they think she's got the potential to be a better setter? Why exactly did something like this happen? Well, Jack, if you would have followed my conversations over the last few weeks, this is something that I was saying was was likely to happen, was that Nicklin would come back and not be the setter. And it was the conversations that I'd had with a number of folks. Um, because one of the things you do in volleyball, and you think back to where the recruiting goes, because in volleyball, you typically know who your entire class is by the time they are sophomores. You are not recruiting sophomores. You're not recruiting them for the majority of their high school. You know what those classes are. You're recruiting them in 
seventh, eighth, ninth grade, although you can't officially give them a scholarship at that time, um, that's when those recruiting circles are happening. So Nebraska's known the class that they were going to have coming in in 2020, well before that pandemic hit. And what do you do in those conversations as you're recruiting? You go, okay, well, this is the setter that we have now, and Nicklin Hames is going to have her last year in 2021. You're going to come in. Now Kennedy, um, who is the number one prospect in the country, according to uh, prepvolleyball.com. Um, so you, you've got the number one setter right there, and you say, when you are into your second year, you are going to get the keys to the kingdom. You're going to take over as the team setter. And that's that's an issue that we're going to start to see over the next few years when these COVID eligibility rules continue until all of that eventually is phased out and no one has that extra year of eligibility to use. But for Nicklin, um, this is great for her because she is uh, former Husker coach Terry Pettit called her the best defensive setter um, in college volleyball. So she can go play that uh, those other positions and what she's going to end up playing is be part of that defensive, um, those defensive specialists where they come in and dominate through the back row, and obviously she can fill in as a setter. Think about that now, as we saw the great sets that would come from your libero Lexi Rodriguez or Kayla Akana um, or Kenzie Knuckles. Now you've got Nicklin Hames to be part of that group, and if they get out of system, well, guess what? Nicklin Hames knows exactly how to set and everything that you're going. All you're doing is just putting more high-level athletes on the floor. They're just going to obliterate everyone. It's going to be so fun. <laughs> just gonna, I'll say it. They're going to obliterate everyone. Just it's okay to Just say don't that. ask Maddie Kubik what you're going to call that group in the yes. back row. I was, I was not going to. <laughs> we call them three. <laughs> I think of that quote every day. Every day I think about that quote. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, look it up. Look it up. Yeah. So, uh, uh, but so. it, but it's exciting to get Nicklin back. Obviously, now we're we're just waiting to see what Kayla Caffey is going to make for her decision um, yeah. at, at middle blocker. Come on, Kayla. We're waiting. Let's go. <laughs> You're coming back. Just say it. Let's do it. Right. Uh, and then and then I, I wanted to touch one more time on on uh, women's basketball. You were in the building yesterday. Uh, just give me a sense. I know it was a, a disappointing outcome, and uh, Nebraska just didn't have enough defensively. Iowa was hitting shots like crazy. You had uh, one of their one of their players who I believe was six for six from a three point line at one yeah, point. Yeah, she, she ends up making seven seven three pointers over the course of the it game. Was just hitting everything, and it's it's hard to beat. In, in some ways, you look at the stats, and it was surprising that game was as close as it was. But what I'm even more interested right now than just the the breakdown of that individual game is can did you get a sense that the the tide is kind of turning in in that building that's not the right word tide isn't turning but that this is that this this team is going to really get a larger following as this uh, as the season goes on, especially if they keep winning games. Yeah, that, that was a fantastic crowd. As, as we said in sports and said at the start of the show, 8,415, that's the fourth largest crowd for a Nebraska women's basketball game since they moved over to Pinnacle Bank Arena um, this past decade. So I don't know if you're going to reach that number or if you're going to get to like an 8,500 number, but I do think you're going to start to see more fans than you did throughout the non-conference because as we've talked about before, Husker fans really flock to you if you are successful. They love winners. And this basket, this women's basketball team has been winners. They've only got the two losses on the year, the only one at home being there to just an on-fire Iowa team. I think if Nebraska, because they, they get a top-10 Indiana team on Thursday, if they're in that game, let alone if they win it, 
and then you obviously get Iowa next Sunday. Nebraska fans are going to come out for this team more than they have over the last few years, um, which is fantastic to see because this team has deserved it, um, not just with, with the way they're able to play with the, with the wins and being successful, but they're so much fun to watch because of the energy and the attitude that they play with. The crowd really reacts to that. As soon as you saw Jad Shelley getting uh, Caitlin Clark, who is a really good Iowa player, getting her face after a foul call, and the Iowa coach is coming unglued, and the crowd is just getting on them. It is so much fun to watch. There, there was, um, and I'm sorry if this was someone's grandma or mom, but there was this old lady sitting right in front of the media area, and any time a three-pointer would go in, I remember in the first half, Ruby Porter hit one, and you hear Connor Happer, who now works uh, for, for our friends up at 1620, hey, um, yeah. he, he yells out, and he's like, Ruby Porter, four, and then the whole crowd yells three. This lady jumps out of her seat, throws her hands up, puts three fingers up, and yells, three! And she, like, just watching the energy for the people that I had not seen at these games before and having that lower bowl almost full, it's exciting to see that type of reaction, not just during the game, but for folks to show up knowing that this is a team that they could come support. Uh, it 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 looked good. Uh, the the video, uh, j- just the the watching on TV looked really good there. But I hope I hope they can sell that thing out or get close to it here at some time uh, down the road. But last question: Rank today or not? I think they'll still be receiving votes. Now they got a top ten w- win last week, uh, but then you did you did add the loss. I think they are better than some teams. And now, as Matt Cotney would say, they're really high up there in the net ranking. I haven't looked at what the net ranking is, and that's the one that matters. But it does feel good to look down the Associated Press or the coaches' poll and see your name on there. They might squeak in in the 25, 24, 23 area. Cotney's listening right now. He's going to be mad at me for asking that question, but still, everybody. I know, but I, I hedged it for us by bringing up the net ranking. Appreciate that. <laughs> All right, we'll grab a break. Caleb's got a full sports report coming up next. Got our morning drive, the five things you're going to be talking about today as well. I'm going to try and set up my mic stand. All right, we'll take a break. It's LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Sign up for the daily at KLIN.com to get today's top local and Husker news sent straight to your email. It's time to count them down. The five things you'll be talking about today. This is the Morning Drive, presented by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, it's time to get going. So without any further ado, let's get it started with... Number five. Six sites in eastern Nebraska are being considered for a new state prison, 1,512-bed prison. Uh, the sites in Douglas, Dodge, and Lancaster County reported last week by Corrections Director Scott Prakes. Now, Nebraska lawmakers are going to be deciding this year most likely how to address overcrowding. Uh, Director Frakes says the goal, improve staff and inmate safety, not uh, put more people in prison. Cost expected $236 million. So this is a 1,512-bed prison, and uh, of course, you know it's got to it's got to get through the legislature, and there's still going to be a, a whole lot of debate about that and whether or not that is the the correct way to go. But it would. It... Where did he go? Oh, I think we we may have lost Jack here for a second. Yeah. That's the modern technology that we deal with. <laughs> here and there but yeah a 1512 bed prison uh that's what they're uh saying they need um exactly where they're going to look at those sites and and probably put them you know somewhere 
where they've got a, a staff a group, uh, enough population to staff this type, type of thing as well. Oh, hey, What's Jack, that? do we got you back? You uh, cut out there for a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here. Sorry, I shouldn't. Have, I'll, uh, I'll uh, turn my video off here. But um, uh, I, I was just going to say one of the biggest things that they're, they're going to have to think about, and they are thinking about when you see these locations, is the proximity to uh, workers, to, to get people to work at these places, Mark. And uh, that, I mean, when, when you talk about those locations, that's probably a big part of what they were looking at. Oh, yeah. And, and you may recall that uh, here just a few weeks ago, they announced, uh, you know, a pretty sizable increase in uh, salaries uh, pay for prison workers. And they've got like 600 applicants for those uh, corporal positions, those uh, first entry levels. So maybe this uh, is all coming together at the right time and and we'll see where it, where it goes but the legislature's sh- short session they're going to have to get after it yeah uh, no, no doubt no doubt about that uh, the the appropriations committee had set aside 115 million dollars but they didn't want to approve that money until they had this report and and knew more about this but the the the, the budget measure went through on that so this is just a, a multi-pronged thing that goes on this, but you, you do wonder how that debate is going to look like as it gets further down the road. Is there going to be enough support here to actually build a new prison? Because there are some who are going to say, hey, look, that we need to take other measures. And and that was part of, I know your newscast too, uh, was Senator Geist's response to some of those things as well. Yeah, well, that was a study on uh, prison reform and, and looking at how sentences are imposed and whether... They could be, uh, you know, lessened, and uh, a lot of discussion on that one. Uh, some people not very happy with that report. So we'll see. Here's an interesting question. I mean, the pen- penitentiary is already here, but as if you're a if you're a city, if you're Lincoln or you're Omaha or one of the other areas near this, do you do you want do you want the prison? Like, is that a is that a good thing or a bad thing to have in in your computer? What's the ge- I, I, I don't know what the general reaction to that will be. Well, there's kind of a, just a general reaction. I think they call it NIMBY, not in my backyard, you know. Yeah. And and a lot of people uh, want those types of things uh, to be somewhere else. But let's face it, you got to have them somewhere. And and in this case, the Nebraska State Penitentiary is well over a hundred years old. Uh, I mean, they had some major issues not long ago with water in the facility and and. At some point, you just have to come to the realization that that penitentiary is going to be beyond what would be a reasonable cost to repair and keep it uh, operating. Uh, yeah. Whether or not they can repurpose it for something else, uh, you know, going forward, if they get a new prison, that uh, I would like to hear some discussion on as well. Right. So, so is there the possibility of opening a new prison and at some point closing down this one? Well, I think that would be the, the logical uh, if, if, steps on all of this i mean it's the oldest facility um needing a lot of repair but whether or not it can be repurposed for other uses uh, within corrections or other state uses mm-hmm. that's uh i i have not heard a lot of discussion on that and i don't know where the jack has either so well I, I i haven't and i don't know what you do what do you do with that thing make it a laser tag course or something you know i don't uh, I, I i mean tongue-in-cheek there obviously perhaps are more correctional type uh, uses for it or something on, on that but it's interesting guys i'm looking back at a story in in uh, june um last june about uh, towns that had been approached uh to potentially be a host and waverly wahoo and ashton all said no to this thing 
that that they weren't interested in doing this. And and actually, the, the, this quotes the Ashland mayor uh, who says, hey, we think that people want to be closer to metro areas. Now, I don't know if that's saying, hey, it's a good way not to do this. It's a good pretext for for not doing it here. But there had been gestures to some other towns, but I think they ended up on on more metro areas to uh, to to do this thing. So, and, and the interesting thing is, it goes back to in 1998. Now, I don't I don't remember this. This is when I was in college, but when they were talking about uh, the the Tecumseh facility, um, this uh, this is uh, this NBC Marshall Project report says hundreds of excited Nebraskans packed in the high school gymnasium at Tecumseh to voice their support. So it was a very positive thing. There was a, the, at that time it was very positive. It'll be interesting to see how these areas that are in this uh, that are in this study mm-hmm. will receive it. If this is something they're enthusiastic about, like Tecumseh in 1998, or like we're hearing from Waverly, Wahoo, and Ashland now. All right, moving on. Number four. Malfunctioning electric space heater in a bedroom, source of an apartment building fire in the Bronx that killed 19 people yesterday. Uh, nine children killed, 63 others injured, severe smoke inhalation. Fire Commissioner Commissioner Daniel Nigro said uh, in a news conference yesterday that the building's fire alarms and a series of open doors were on the radar. Investigators, officials probing the second major deadly fire in the Northeast. There was one the prior week in uh, Philadelphia. But this one, uh, uh, the the worst since a nightclub fire, I believe back in 1987, something like that, 1983, that killed 87 people. So, you know, ter- I mean, j- just terrible and all from a, from an electric space heater. And it makes you wonder about what kind of what kind of space heater, what kind of a, a situation that is, because I think a lot of people this time of year have space heaters that are running at this point. But nonetheless, yeah, I woke up to to read about this and it's just a, a, a terrible and just the pictures that are coming out of this yeah. as well, Mark. Are, most of are the gut- most of the fire was contained to uh, two apartments, a duplex primarily, and they're saying that uh, the doors were not shut, and that caused the smoke to just inundate the entire building. Uh, so that's that's one of those things you got to keep a reminder if you're in an apartment type complex or a hotel, if uh, there's smoke in the hallway, you know, put a wet bl- uh, clo- uh, towel under the door and keep it closed because you don't want that fire getting in there. All right, moving on. Number three. Another mountain lion reported in the Lincoln area. A Denton family found a deceased three-year-old female while checking their fences after the windstorm in December. Second mountain lion sighting near Lincoln in less than a month. A game camera captured images of one near US-34 and the Mopac Trail uh, earlier in December. So, uh, you know, we got a few uh, pumas in the area. What, what do you think, Mark? Um, I know, see, this was a female. They say the males are more likely to wander off searching for females and, and travel large distances for that. And and some of the other things, like you've seen, you know, the foxes in, in the area, and, and a lot of people have said, well, that's because their natural habitat, with the city kind of sprawling, natural habitat is taken over. That's not what is happening here. Now, I don't know that this is as much of an influx as, I know it's not as much of an influx as we've seen with some of those other animals. Do you think these are just one-offs, or is this some real movement of this population? I I think it's probably uh, a a real movement of the population. I mean, uh, you know, as we uh, we've seen this type of thing move into the area as harvest continued, the more, the more uh, you know, corn, beans, and all of that that was harvested, uh, that moves them out of, of those areas. Uh, and they're they're following their food supply, quite frankly. And, and we know the number of deer and, and other, uh, you know, 
carry on, uh, not carry on, but uh, other animals, fox, coyote, which probably are, uh, you know, game for uh, mountain lions. So they're also opportunistic and and looking for that. So I, w- I would say it's probably just a natural progression of uh, of the species moving forward. Man, well, uh, yeah, we, we've talked about all of the, the foxes and coyotes uh, especially, but uh, this would be kind of a different deal altogether if you started yeah. to see mountain lions more frequently yeah. in this area. And there's uh, been some situations in southeast Lincoln. I'm on this uh, neighborhood, uh, oh, what do you call it, the neighborhood blog, if you will, and we've had a couple instances of uh, pets disappearing in the in the last month. Oh. Uh, you know, either coyotes or um, hawks, thinking like that. Um, I had a report of uh, family's pet duck uh, being uh, taken up by an uh, an eagle or a hawk here over the weekend. So oh, wow! These things oh. are are happening more and more. I have so many questions about that sentence that you just said there, but I don't know that we have time to get into that. Was that right. caught on camera? Uh, evidently, they found the remnants uh, oh. of the duck. Oh. Uh oh. So, all right. Moving on. <laughs> Number two. And there was no duck a l'orange served without oh, one. Sad. Stories today about some of Nebraska's most high profile people either testing positive or close contact to COVID 19. Uh, at the bottom of the hour, of course, I reported Governor Ricketts indicated he had a close contact. He's monitoring and uh, taking the precautions. Scott Frost announced yesterday he is positive as well. Anybody else in the. Uh, Sports world right now. I mean, there's two NHL games I know that are off scheduled for tonight. Um, COVID protocols, but anybody else here in the state? You had, some, you had a Big Ten basketball game canceled this week. Oh, Nebraska say, still hasn't yeah. missed a. Nebraska still hasn't missed a basketball game. Um, you had some high school games over the weekend, and and I put this on here not because I you know I think it's you know great breaking concerning news, but I just know a lot of people were were talking about it yesterday, and it I mean it's just indicative mark of the of the cases going where they are right i mean i'm i'm in the basement right now at my house because uh, our family has been has been uh hit by this as well so this is uh this is going to be the norm here i think for a little while you're gonna have a lot of people but hopefully you continue to see what we what we're seeing with what frost reported uh what i've seen with my family and and uh other people as well that this isn't something that ends up being a, a serious health issue for people, and after a few days, they can uh, they can get back going again. Yeah, well, you know, I think the, the we're coming to the realization that COVID is here to stay. It's uh, going to be around forever, and we're going to have to find treatments for it and and take it into consideration, just like we do with other RSVs and, uh, you know, the flu and, and these other uh, viruses that come around. We're going to have to live with it. Just a matter of uh, at what point uh, do we deal with it yeah I, uh, one one interesting thing that i think about is you know you've had these different variants and potentially with with omicron it could actually in the long run be beneficial to this thing but what are the potential that you do continue to have new different variants come out of this that are that are give, have more serious health effects i think that's that's still the kind of the the, the concern that i've got trying to take a level-headed approach to this whole thing yeah, well, yeah, and, and there's going to be variants coming up all the time. It's a matter of whether the treatments uh, are, are work well uh, against those different variants because, I mean, that's just the way these things progress. All right, moving on, finishing it up. Number one. A series of notable celebrity deaths over the weekend, that following the death last week of Betty White, 
Bob Saget, a comedian and actor known for his role as the widower raising a trio of daughters in the sitcom Full House, found dead yesterday in Florida. Uh, it, uh, no foul play, no drugs suspected there. Sidney Poitier died over the weekend. He was uh, 94. And Dwayne Hickman, Dobie Gillis fame, uh, he died over the weekend. He was 87. So, you know, they say these go in threes. Uh, we've had four in a week. So, uh, Yeah, that's true. Yeah, whew. it's been a tough year already for the beginning of 2022 with uh, with those going on right now. Now, Dobie Gillis, I remember the Dobie Gillis when they would play. Remember when they used to play black and white shows, old oh yeah, old shows yep. in the evening on on Nickelodeon. Nick, back when I was Nickelodeon was heyday for my generation. During the day, they would have you know you can't do that on television and other Nickelodeon shows. But then at night, they would go to they would call it Nick at Night, and it was just all those. All those, they were all black and white. There was a lot of like, they did like Dennis the Menace and My Three Sons, and I'm trying to remember some of the other ones. Oh, Ozzy, and, Ozzy and Harriet, and yep. Was Dobie Gillis in that in that era? Yeah, absolutely. That's what I thought. All right, there you go. That is it for your sound off today, and we are uh, don't forget or your are, morning uh, drive. Our, or, yeah, morning drive, whatever. Uh, but regardless, <laughs> more importantly, presented by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management. All right, we're going to grab a break right now. It's 7.54. Tim Hrusa, Dirk Chatlin coming up during the 8 o'clock hour on KLIN. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. If you haven't done it yet... For 2022, maybe time to think about signing up to get the daily from KLIN sent by sent to your inbox every weekday, late afternoon, about five o'clock. That thing goes out, and it's essentially an electronic newsletter featuring the top news and sports stories of the day. Mark, Caleb, Carla, Tom, I'll do a lot of good work for that. And sometimes you've been busy all day and you just want to say, okay, I want to just kind of a, a sense of what's going on in the city, in the state today. That's an easy way to get it. All you need to do is go to KLIN.com. Real easy sign up there. We're not going to spam you with other stuff. It's just to get your email on the list for the daily in 2022. And it's uh, now I get it too. And it's a really nice newsletter, a nice summary at the end of the day to take a look about. And you can go home, have dinner with your family, and uh, say, hey, I'm very informed. Let me bring up some topics of conversation. <laughs> How about this new Nebraska quarterback? How about what's going on with the new prison system? You can be, you just impress everyone thanks to the daily. Go to KLIN.com and you can sign up there. All right, coming up during the 8 o'clock hour, Tim Ruza joins us. We'll keep this conversation going about the legislature, prisons. Also, the state has a bunch of COVID money, a bunch of COVID money to use. What are the limits on that COVID money? What are the things that are being talked about to be used with it? The governor said he is open to using it. Where could that end up going over the course of the next couple of months? And then, of course, we are going to have Dirk Chatlin joining us as well from the Omaha World Herald. We'll talk Huskers. We might even talk a little bit NFL, too, as it's been a crazy weekend of NFL and the playoffs are now set. So that's all coming up during the 8 o'clock hour. As I said, right now in the capital city, we are at 14 degrees on our way to a high today of 37. It is 8 o'clock on Lincoln's News and Talk, 1499 3 KLIN. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the voice of Lincoln, 1499 3 KLIN. I'd start walking your way. 
we meet in the middle. Tim Aruza, our Monday guest at 810, getting an insider's view of the Nebraska state legislature, government and politics in the city and the state and more. Good morning, Tim. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. There's some some literal uh, implications of our song. I believe you're at home and I'm in my car and Caleb is our middleman, right? Are we are we officially meeting in the middle on the air? We are. We are meeting. It's a we're maybe like equidistant. Caleb is our midpoint right now, and I am. Uh, I'm learning that uh, if I have four thousand internet windows open, uh, even when I'm hardwired, that's not a good idea. So I'm learning lessons about working from home, like like we all have over the last couple of years. But we are all good now. Uh, how how are you doing? It's been a while. I'm okay, man. I, I I know you're dealing with it. I know lots of families are right now. I feel like the walls of the COVID quarantine are sort of closing in at our our child care facility right now. So I'm just waiting for the phone call that says I, I'm going to go stay home with the kids for 10 days or whatever. Yeah. Exposures. It seems like we've been getting an email every couple of days on a close call or a even a positive test in another classroom or something. So um, not fun time, stressful time right now for a lot of yeah. families. And, and, uh, and, and hopefully the, the vast majority of these, these cases are, are going to be ones that are, are minor and don't, don't stress the hospital system significantly. But yeah, I think, uh, I think we've got about a month or so of, uh, of this and this is what it's going to be like. Uh, all right. Legislature back going again. Let's start just kind of generally uh, first week, what were the what were the big headlines out of the legislature? Anything take you by surprise, or did it go pretty much according to how you thought it would for those first few days? You know, not not a lot of uh, not a lot of surprises so far. Um, some some major legislation introduced this last week. I think it was Friday, it might be Thursday. All the days sort of blend together for me. Uh, but you had a bipartisan package of bills introduced by Senators Lynn Walls. Right, a Democrat from Fremont, former lieutenant governor candidate on the Democratic ticket when Bob Christ ran a couple of years ago. Um, she is the chair of the Education Committee and introduced kind of a, a TIOSA overhaul package. And TIOSA is the education funding uh, formula that helps uh, kind of balance the, the way we use state resources across school districts. Um, so she, she introduced one bill that I think will probably end up being referred to education committee in terms of how that formula works and how, how, how we give schools money, right. To offset local property taxes. And on the other side, Senator Brett Lindstrom, a Republican who is term limited out and is currently running for governor, right? So he's on the, on the, going to be on the Republican primary ballot this May. Um, he introduced the component part or the, the second of the two in the package that kind of overhauls the way we fund TIOSA and the amount of money we give to it. So I think generally the idea is to give, you know, every student across the state some sort of, of state spending spending aid. Um, it's funded a little bit by a backfill from the most recent components that were done with the property tax credit relief fund. Um, so it's kind of an interesting mechanism, Jack. It would be a real overhaul and a regime change for how we fund education in the state. Um, yet to be seen exactly how it's going to work, but I think it's going to be pretty fast-tracked, too. So it was introduced on Friday. 
I have heard rumblings that it could get heard, right, scheduled for hearing as early as next week sometime. Um, wow. And that, like I said, that would be a huge overhaul. Um, earlier this summer, it was referred to as the Columbus Plan. I think there's some Columbus school district folks that were involved in kind of a framework. Um, so, yeah, I don't, whether there's a path forward on this is interesting. Well, and, and uh, if that's they'll, fa- they'll Tim, if that's fast tracked, how much more likely does it make? I mean, if if these are getting serious discussion, of course, this is a puzzle piece in the entire property tax reform question does it make it more likely that you're actually going to come out of this this session with something real on on property taxes that they've been trying to do for for years since the heineman administration well two things um i mean it's it's interesting interesting to bring this forward and to see some momentum for it right uh, with with a republican and a democrat um, leader one on the revenue committee and one on the education committee introducing the bill we had a pretty substantial property tax move with, with LB 1107 a couple of years ago, right? And, and that particular legislation has resulted in, and I can't remember the numbers, but it's hundreds of millions in additional tax relief for property tax owners via the property tax credit relief fund, as well as that refundable income tax credit that you can claim. Um, the numbers on that have been, because of the revenues, the numbers on that have been pretty drastic. So I do think property tax relief is out there and on the table. The difference here, and what's interesting about it, too, is it, it changes the way schools are funded, right? So not only does it offset what you're paying to your local property tax or to your local school district in property tax, but it also tries to change just how much the school district is getting from property taxes versus how much the school districts are getting from the state. That all being said, I do think there's a bit of an uphill climb for it, right? they got to make the case, and they have to get the vote. Um, Governor Ricketts last week held a press conference with the chair of the Revenue Committee, Luann Linehan, and both of them stood at the podiums in the rotunda and said, look, if we're going to do something, it has to come with limits on spending, right? So you can't have school districts. If the state kicks in $750 million more million a year, which is kind of what the numbers are looking like, 750 or 715. Um, 700 plus million dollars a year into local school districts from the state, you got to offset that with kind of controls on whether those school districts will keep spending property taxes, right? Um, so then they start talking about lids and caps on spending and all that. That's, that's a huge discussion that still needs to be had. And, and I think there's, it's yet to, it remains to be seen kind of where the lines are going to draw and what, what the number is, right? Is it 33 votes or is it, um, 30 votes, there's a 32 votes that kind of line up on each side of this with, with a package of bills. And then one other quick note, you know, um, Chair Linehan is the chair of the Revenue Committee. She has a little bit of control of what happens with Senator Lindstrom's bill that will go through that committee, whereas Senator Walls probably has a, you know, she can move her bill, but um, she needs needs to get the votes in the Education Committee. And guess what? Luann Linehan also sits on the education committee there. Um, so it, there's, a, there's a lot that needs to be done yet. I think the idea is get it heard early um, so you have time to make amendments and get it moved and, and onto the floor early in the session. And then, and then last thought, you get the weird uh, political bedfellows of the, uh, the Democrats saying, hey, we want local control <laughs> in, the, in our school districts. We don't want a, a larger government entity putting caps because we want local control, which is normally thought of as a, a Republican talking point. So that, that's, that, that's one of the weird things that goes with this. 
Um, let, yeah. Let's talk real quick. Uh, the governor said he's uh, part of the budget will be these COVID funds that are available. It's a it's a huge number. It's a billion dollars. What what can be done with this, and what is likely to be done with this, Tim? <laughs> uh, that's an interesting question as well. You know, up until maybe this weekend, I I felt like people had a really good sense of what what the parameters for the spending are. So the federal government has released maybe a couple of directives so far in terms of instructions on what the limits are for ARPA and where it can go and how it can be spent. I mean, there's some there's some pretty broad, obvious things I think they've been clear about from the start, like, hey, you cannot use it to pay for property tax or for tax cuts, right? States can't use it to pay on tax cuts. Um, everybody has kind of been circling around that there are certain things that you can do it for, right? So workforce training and health and safety protection and um, backfilling. I mean, there's plenty of states that are just giving straight grant funds or straight direct payments even to citizens of the state, right? So here's here's a check for $200 or $500, or I think I saw one state, maybe North Carolina or something, 300 and some dollars per taxpayer that filed tax return. So there's a, there's a ton of those sort of programs going out. This, I've started to hear some buzz that we're going to be a little more on the conservative side here in Nebraska, right? Um, that we're going to make sure that we don't end up with a sort of clawed back by the feds if we overstep or use it for something that's not it's not otherwise authorized for what that means is still yet to be seen. The governor has his state of the state address on Thursday morning. I think it's at 10 or 10 30 AM. Um, he'll appear before the legislature and lay out all of his priorities for the year. Um, I'm sure he'll, he'll comment on some of the other big, big bills that are introduced. But at that time is kind of when you expect him to lay out his budget proposal and what he, what he thinks is an appropriate use of these ARPA dollars. There's been talk for a long time that the governor's office will make suggestions for up to all of the money, um, but, but maybe do half of it and kind of reserve some for the legislature to decide with sort of this partnership between the governor's office and the legislature about how it should be spent. I don't know what's going to happen yet, right? We've had a few bills introduced on ARPA spending, so... Um, some projects for specific things, uh, a, a new campus at the, one of the universities, um, some research centers, those sort of things. But we have yet to see kind of what I've expected, which is the onslaught of ARPA spending bills. And I don't know if people are waiting to introduce those until after the state of the state when they see the governor's budget or what. Um, they do have until probably next Thursday to introduce legislation. So they'll have about a week after the governor speaks to get things in order and introduce their bills. I guess a better way to ask the question would have been, where are they going to put the lake? Where are they going to put the lake? That's the most important <laughs> yeah. question. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing that's moving. So um, <laughs> I, I expect an announcement, actually, from what I know, maybe early this week to midweek. Um, I don't know if it'll come before or after the governor's state of the state, but I'm hearing that Hearing that you might hear something, Jack. How's that? Hmm. Are we buying a boat together? I feel like we could, that might be a good way to kind of hedge the dollars. See, here's the thing. If, if we had known that was happening, we could have got a bunch of friends together and pooled our, our uh, COVID payments, right, our CARES Act dollars, uh, and reserved them for a, you know, a public-use jet ski or something like that. Ooh, a public use jet on the COVID lake. Fun. <laughs> fun. Last but not least, I see they put out this list of uh, 
prison potential locations if they would go forward with it. My question for you is, uh, I, I read this article about how in 1998, Tecumseh, there were people all over Tecumseh were so excited about this prison coming to their, their community, presumably the economic development that comes with it. Uh, but this time around, I know like Waverly, Wahoo, Ashland, they all, they all said no to this and, and they want to be closer to population centers. But do, do cities, do localities like want this or not? What's the, is there, or is there, do we even know at this point? You know, that's an interesting question too. And I, I really don't know what, what some of the city's positions are. I mean, you rewind to the 90s when Tecumseh was put in place, and I wasn't around, obviously, but from what I understand, there was some serious lobbying that took place by the city and by the the senator that represented that district at the time. Um, I, my sense and my my observations on sort of the prison stuff, uh, I've had some, some front row seat to it in a past life or a past career. Um, I... Tecumseh is a, a tough location, right? You get that rural and it gets tough. Um, my, the department's been bringing in folks on buses to staff that place um, and keep it staffed. But here's the thing, too, Jack. The state penitentiary it, it struggles just not maybe not as much or at different times more. But the state penitentiary struggles to keep people employed and to keep people going. And that's drawn from a population of 300-plus thousand here in Lancaster County. So outside of, you know, Omaha only, right? So the Omaha Correctional Center and those facilities in Omaha are about the only ones that are routinely pretty well staffed. And then, like I said, you bust people from Omaha. Outside of the Omaha metro area, I don't know where you draw from the population. So what you see in that report where it's suggesting kind of Starpy and Douglas, and then I think they threw a Dodge County reference in there, which would be sort of the Fremont area, right, or just off of outside of Omaha, not far, you're talking places where you can get land and you can get people to very easily. I don't think that some of these smaller communities really really necessarily want a, want a uh, correctional facility very close, but the overarching and number one question is where do you get the employees to staff it if you're going to build it? I bet they go by Omaha. That's my uh, that's my guess right now. We'll see. Uh, all right, Tim. Always good to talk to you. Looking forward to continuing to catch up with you as we get into the legislative session on Monday mornings, and we will meet in the middle next week again. Sound good? Thanks, Jack. Take care, buddy. Go. That's Tim Ruza, our summer friend and our legislative insider. All right, coming up in ten minutes. Dirk Chatlin joins the program from the Omaha World Herald. Take a break right now. Caleb's got your sports cast coming up next on KLIN. He's a five-time Nebraska Sports Writer of the Year. He asks the tough questions. But most importantly, he occasionally retweets Jack Mitchell. It's the Omaha World Herald's Dirk Chatelain. Yes, Dirk joining us on this January 10th, 2022. Uh, everybody needs to make sure if they still have a job, especially if you're an NFL coach. We've had three NFL coaching firings in like the last half hour bears vikings and dolphins have all fired their head coaches more maybe to come a little bit later today that's right get out of here naggy <laughs> dirk have you checked your em- employment status with uh with omaha world herald so no i haven't but i i probably should um based on my recent output um but but i also do wonder if this sets up sort of these awkward uh you know, text or email conversations. Does you know? Does a guy like, oh, 
I don't know, pick your random NFL coach, Brandon Staley, for instance. Does he, uh, does he, does he text his boss this morning and just say something like, you know, we good? Uh, or, do, or does he just, uh, you know, try to ignore the calls? Uh, how would you handle it if you were, you know, uh, uh, an embattled head coach on Black Monday? Well, Brandon Staley, what I'd do first is I'd take a timeout to make sure that you've got the <laughs> worst scenario, the only bad scenario possible that could possibly happen. Uh, I mean, that was uh, that was a fireball itself, uh, offense in itself, almost. I can't. No, it wasn't. Stop I, okay, it. explain to me how that makes any sense. Even if even if the tie isn't even in play, I don't even know if it makes sense. So. The time was not a factor at all. Uh, he let the clock go under 40 seconds, you know, and, and so no matter what happens on the next play, the, the clock can run out. And, and so I just don't see how it changed the Raiders' strategy. Um, you know, it, it, it's, I don't care what, what Carr said afterwards. Uh, I think if the, if the Chargers just, you know, if they just stop the run on third down, the game's over. Uh, and unfortunately they didn't, and... Man, that was that was as interesting. I won't say exciting, although exciting is is certainly a, a good tag for it too. But as interesting an NFL game as I think I've ever watched. Yeah, I I think it's it's going to be maybe one of the most memorable regular season NFL games ever. I was trying to go to bed last night, and it looked like because Chargers were down two touchdown, two touchdowns, and then they kept converting. I mean. that's burying the lead. I've never seen a team convert so many fourth downs like the Chargers did. Every single one was do or die for your season, and they kept doing it and then to lose in that stupid way. Um, For the record, Jack, I I think the Raiders did the right thing. Um, You know, first of all, they they avoided going to Kansas City, which I think anybody wise would have tried to avoid that. Um, But but just I, I think it sends probably the wrong message to your locker room uh if if you don't try to win that game in some form and and you know you could take sort of a a passive method uh which they did you know they didn't throw the ball in the last two minutes um but i think it would have been a mistake long term probably for for the raiders uh to not try to win that game both both in the locker room and with their fan base i think it played out absolutely perfect for the raiders Hey, and listen, I have adopted the Cincinnati Bengals uh, as my team for the playoffs. I am a, um, I, I'm a polygamous NFL fan. Uh, I move <laughs> around to teams. I move around the teams that I have since, since I have a kid that remind me most of Nebraska or have the most Nebraska connections. I was a 49ers fan for a while. I was a Oilers fan for a while. I was a Chiefs fan for a while. I was a Lions. And now the Bengals best fit that, you know, Zach Taylor – Right, you, you you got Zach Taylor, and then you got Joe Burrow, who I think you know he went to my son's daycare in Lincoln for a while. So there's that, and Stanley Morgan's on that roster. So uh, I'm jump. This it was a better result for the Bengals too. Let me ask you this though: um, when they said they were going to expand this last round of NFL playoffs, I rolled my eyes uh, when I first heard. It. I was like, oh come on! It just it, it's kind of like expanding the baseball playoffs and, and the top now. Wait a the- second here. Wait a second, Mister No. Uh, you know, no bowl game is a bad bowl game, and, and they're, 
you well, know, me, you're, you're, you're being hypocritical here. Okay, number one, I got to finish my thought, but no, no, I'm not. Those that, that that doesn't that's not a championship. That's just more football <laughs> on TV. It doesn't impact the way the champion is crowned. But I to finish my thought though, I'll say this: I don't fe- now that they've done it. I don't. It doesn't feel any different, and I am really excited for this coming weekend of football. So I actually think I was wrong at the beginning. I think it it's a fine thing, and I, I wondered if if you thought the same way. Oh, I totally agree. Uh, there was a year, gosh, it's probably been at least a decade now, where where I think I think like an eleven and five team missed the playoffs. Um, you know, it was one of those years where where I think the AFC was really top heavy. And, um, and, and it was, it was a pretty obvious year where, where a seventh team in each conference would have made sense. Um, and I'm sure there's going to be a year, you know, like last year, there'll be more of these years where, where a bad, you know, division champion or even a wild card team has a losing record. Uh, but, but I think, you know, that what's good about the NFL is even the average teams, are, unless the, the quarterback play is just atrocious, the average teams are still, you know, are still very capable of holding an audience. I mean, last night was was uh, probably one example of that, but even the Pittsburgh-Baltimore game earlier in the day was an example of that. You know, those are two bad teams, uh, or bad offenses at least. Um, and, and the game was riveting just because of the consequences of it, uh, the rivalry of it, and, and, you know, sort of the, um, just the, the do-or-die scenario. And I think that's what the NFL has going for it. I mean, I'm sure they don't want to water it down by going, you know, eight teams in each league. But I think, uh, I think six wild-card games instead of four is just awesome. I mean, you know, historically, I think the, the best weekend of the year for football uh, has been the divisional round, you know, where you've got four games and you're kind of down to the final eight. Uh, but I think wild-card weekend might be better now just because of the quantity of it. Yeah, with with Monday night too, and I, I guess the other thing where it feels good this year is there are a lot of years when the playoff the playoffs are set where like a third of the teams are without their normal quarterback, and it, it seems like you always had the Houston Texans in with some guy randomly starting at at quarterback. You don't have that this year, and you've got like you've got the stars. Uh, you you know you got you got Patrick Mahomes you got Aaron Rodgers they're both healthy or healthy enough to play at this point you got Roethlisberger in his last year you got the young guys in in Murray and and Burrow that makes a huge difference in my excitement first I mean that really impacts my excitement for the games because it seems like for ten years in a row there was a Saturday afternoon game between the Texans and the Colts or something and they were it was always their- the Texans it was always the Texans it was always the Texans uh, and somebody and nobody had a quarterback you'd ever heard of. Right. No, I agree. It's it's a quarterback driven league, and the you know Kyler Murray and Joe Burrow, for instance, are are capable of of beating basically anybody. I also think it's interesting this year that you know the Chiefs are, I think, are the favorite. Um, I would put the Chiefs even over Green Bay, um, which has a you know noticeably better record. But but I think it's more wide open than normal. Um, so. Yeah. It's 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 interesting from that standpoint too. You look at the fourteen teams. Uh, how many of them are capable of at least getting to the Super Bowl? I'd say at least half. You know, I'd say we're at least at seven, uh, and that's pretty interesting too. So, uh, you know, this is I'm coming out of a college bowl season, Jack, where where my interest in college football was maybe at an all time low. 
Uh, it just there were there were lots of factors. Uh, Opt outs being pretty far down the list, to be honest. It, it was just the uh, it didn't feel like there were any good bowl games. The playoff games were were terrible. Uh, outside of the Rose Bowl, you know, it just wasn't a very notable bowl season. And and but I think the NFL is is sort of the opposite. I mean, this is this is going to be a really really fun month of football. But that work the bowl games work, I think, because there's nothing else going on. It's it's December twenty third on a Tuesday, and you got it's your last day of work, and there's a game on at eleven a.m. That I mean, that I like, but the, the the NFL is a little bit differently. And I'm 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 with you though. I'm I'm really excited now. I'm now I'm thinking about who could. I think the Bengals could do it. Could go to the Super Bowl in the AFC. I think the Bills. I don't know about the Patriots. Uh, definitely the Chiefs. And then in the, the NFC, Titans. what, the Packers? Titans. Oh, Titans, Titans, obviously, yeah. And then Packers, Cowboys, I forgot about the, the bye. Probably Packers, Cowboys, is that Buck? it? Bucks. Oh, yeah, the defending champs, I should remember them. Yeah, so uh, you're right, you know, probably and, about seven. And probably maybe, seven. you know, maybe throw in the Rams, too. It's, it's uh, I would say it's right around seven or eight. And that's, that's uh, I think that's better than most years, so... Um, you know, the, the college thing is, is interesting because you're right. There's nothing on. Um, I, I think one of these years, it would be interesting to just see how far you can push the envelope and let anybody play in a bowl game, regardless of record, right? Uh, if they want to play, they can play. So if Kansas yeah. wants to play Nebraska, uh, let them play. I mean, why is 6-6 six and six the barrier to doing this? There's no, there's no importance to 6-6 six and six anymore. It's... Uh, that's a bad college football team in most major conferences, and they're still playing bowl games. So let everybody play. Who cares? And then, and then get me from December eighteenth to January fifth, eleven a.m. to midnight. I want a game on my TV available <laughs> if I so choose during that entire time. Absolutely, that, I mean, it's just nice to have in the background. I always, I always enjoy that. And th- I, I think I do this interview with you every year since we've been doing this over the years, Dirk. Where I say, oh yeah. The college football national championship is tonight. Like one of these years, I'm going to forget it. I'm going to forget that it's on. How in the heck can that happen? But it does, and it's my favorite sport. It's just bizarre. Yeah, it's it's a little bit. Um, I hate to say it, but it's it's a little bit of of a function of a bloated bowl season. Uh, but I think most most notably, uh, it's a result of, of SEC fatigue. And Alabama fatigue, especially. Uh, I think if this were Georgia, Michigan in the national championship game, um, you know, I, I think it would be much more interesting. You know, and and that's I I hate to I hate to be the guy who you know who sort of conference cheers because I know how much you love that, but uh, it, it is it, it's just become very very repetitive at this point. Um, and, and I think the, you know, the, the hot, the hot solution to that is to expand the playoff and at least, at least add quantity to the playoff where if you don't get quality, you know, at least maybe you get some games, some better games early on in the bracket. Uh, I think that's fine. I I think the, the biggest issue at this point is they got to find a way to just make it, make it more interesting in more places, right? It's sort of like, um, it's sort of like high school basketball in Nebraska where, where teams in Lincoln don't feel like they have a chance to win the state championship because, uh, because the Omaha you know, teams are just so much better. And that's, that's really where we are with the Big 12 and the Pac-12. I can't believe you haven't responded to that yet. 
Um, you know, I'm thinking it's, about it. I was think I was I was going to come back with a Lincoln Northeast, uh, <laughs> bring it back to the '90s. But then I remember they lost to Pius, so uh, yeah, I, I don't know. And Lincoln is completely this year. Everybody's beaten beaten each other, and so I don't. I mean, the best team is completely wide open there. So yeah, you're basically the SEC West. You're right. Jeez, we'll see. Just, just call me back in March. The, the next two years, as as long my when my interest is going to peak, the next two years in this sport, I think it's it maybe it'll happen. Let's just knock on wood here. The talent's got to be going down in Omaha at some point. Hey, let me speaking of basketball. Is, <laughs> How long are we going to go? How long are we going to go without you bringing up Nebraska basketball? Well, I don't know what to even ask Dirk at this point because, like, I think there are very few like scenarios the way the rest of the season goes. I mean, I think it's most likely, yeah, they probably pick off a, a couple of wins uh, in in the Big Ten, maybe you know, upset somebody at home. But I don't think we're talking more than like two or three probably uh, throughout the rest of this year. Maybe they get Trey McGowan's back and the team feels. A lot different, but what I wonder about this is, like, I don't see a ton of, like, real specific Hoiberg hot seat talk. Is that, I mean, is, is, is am I wrong about that? Is that not happening? Is it going to happen later? What's yeah, going yeah. On? It's, it's so It's so odd, right? Like, because, I mean, when I bring it up to people, you know, I, I'll, I'll admit, I've, I've told several people that, you know, I don't think he's going to make it through the season probably uh, at this rate, you know, or if he does, you know, it's, it's, it's a day after the regular season type of thing. And, and nobody, nobody disagrees. Nobody seems to care. Nobody has any intense opinions about that. It's just sort of like, it's just sort of like a matter of fact at this point. Right. Um, it's like, Oh yeah, it didn't work. It's like, it didn't, it didn't work out. They're probably going to, they're, they're going to have to start over. Uh, there's not even an argument at this point. It's so odd. Like even in even under really, you know, previously dire situations, um, you know, Barry Collier, 2005, Doc Sadler, a couple times. I mean, Tim Miles, a couple times. It, at least it felt like emotions were kind of running high. At this point, I just don't feel like anybody cares. It's weird. You you hit the nail on the head with how you describe that because. This Husker fan base and a lot of sports fan base absolutely thrive on this conversation, on on coaching hot seat conversations and what should you do. Look no further than last year's football season. I mean, it was it was the topic of conversation anywhere with what you were writing about, what we were talking about, what people in the, the coffee shops and bars across the state were talking about it. Like I don't know where I can even find a conversation about this right now, and I don't know what that means exactly. I, I know it's it's so odd. I, I just it's it's. I'm searching for a bad I metaphor. It. I just don't get it. Yeah, yeah every meta, every metaphor I can think of right now is a bad one. It's like it's like when the you know when the when your favorite mom and pop hardware store you know closes down after seventy years. But yeah, that. That kind of ran its course. It didn't work out. You know, it's like, uh, I mean, it, there's just no emotions to it. I don't know if that's because, you know, of Hoiberg's personality or because they've just been so bad that there's not really a light at the end of the tunnel. I think it's maybe a combination of those things. Uh, but it, it, barring some sort of miracle here in the last two months, um, I just don't think there's going to be much drama in the decision for Trev Albert. 
I just wonder if and when people will start talking about it. I guess we drive that conversation to some degree, and we're talking about it now. But, yeah, it's, it's well, I don't know, it's really bizarre. It is, it is January 10th, you know. I mean, there's, Jack, there are two more months to this college basketball season. Like, what the heck, man? How are, how are they going to fill this arena for two months? How are they going to, you know, how are they going to sustain any sort of enthusiasm or conversation? I mean, they're, even if McGowan's comes back and they, you know, can win one game every two weeks or something like that, uh, I just think they're going to have a really hard time sustaining any level of interest in the fan base. And if, if that's the case, I, again, I think, I think the, uh, the scene at PBA is going to kind of be the deciding factor as much as the win loss record. Yeah. Yeah. Like you wonder, um, Purdue women's basketball comes to Lincoln on January 30th. Will that be? I don't know if Purdue men come here, but I mean, is the women's team going to start out drawing the men's team here? At, well, at some... based on based on yesterday, um, you know, in the the enthusiasm in the arena and also the product on the floor, you know, I don't I don't think that's out of the question. There is something we have to be honest about Nebraska men's basketball. The way they play is is as hard to watch. Um, <laughs> As any, as as anything I can remember, and, and most people can remember, and I got multiple texts the other day, Saturday afternoon, that basically said if they could just find, you know, five guys that play hard together and play defense. And my my rebuttal to that was they already tried that for twenty years. You know, that was the entirety of the Collier era, the Sadler era, the Miles era. It was more uh, fun though. <laughs> well, it, 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 my point in bringing that up is at least. It sort of appealed to your uh, yeah. to your gut, right? Uh, there was just there was a sense that they were at least you know extending themselves and getting the most out of their talent. And and watching Nebraska play defense right now, there's just nothing that makes you say, "I want to go cheer that team on." Yeah, there was just more of an affinity for the team that came from that mentality. I think that isn't there anymore. All right, I got to run, Dirk. I am out of time. Uh, appreciate the conversation, and uh, we'll talk next Monday, and I'll probably talk about the NFL playoffs for a long time before I get into Oscar basketball once again. Sounds great. All right, there you go, Dirk Jalen on Wall World Herald. Take a break, 855 on KLIN. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, right now in the capital city, 14 degrees as we wrap up the show today. Caleb, big one tomorrow. We are going to be joined by Joe Jordan, News Channel Nebraska. A lot, uh, we'll have a lot to get into with him. We'll have our morning drive uh, and a whole lot more. Oh, by the way, one note uh, from Chris: injury accident at South Twenty Seventh and A Street. So you want to avoid that area during your commute this morning over the next hour or so. Uh, so yeah, Joe Jordan tomorrow, News Channel Nebraska. Have our morning drive. Five things people are talking about. It is a top five Tuesday. Caleb, you know what I want to do on Top 5 Tuesday? I think I might say it right now. What do you want to do? I was thinking about this as I was uh, doing some shopping this weekend. Uh, what are those items, those those general items, that it is worth spending the extra money on? Not scrimping on, not going cheap on. Okay. Food items, other items. I think this is a fascinating discussion because I have some ones that I believe very strongly. So uh, maybe we'll get into that and a whole lot more. Hey, uh, have a great day, everybody. Stay safe. We will see you tomorrow. It is 9 o'clock. KLIN Lincoln. 
from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios. We are the voice of Lincoln. KLIN Lincoln. KDKA 